Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call. It has just gone midday. We have 10 stocks picked by you and two experts to answer all of your questions. And we're going to do it all in one hour. It's Thursday, the 3rd of December. I'm your host, Andrew Page. Well, I'm thrilled to have two really smart cookies uh, on the show today. Uh, we're joining me in the studio. I've got Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. G'day, Henry. Hi, Andrew. Good to have you here. And also Andrew Weiland from DP Wealth joining us via Skype. How are you, Andrew? Good morning, Andrew and Santo. Thanks for joining us a bit early as well. That's great. <laughs> it's on already. Uh, we're going to jump. I'm not even going to give you a right of reply there. Uh, we're going we're to jump straight into it. The uh, stock of the day is mydeal.com.au. The ASX code there is MYD. Uh, it's updated the market today with a record November gross sales topping 105 million uh, in the first five months of fiscal 2021. That's well over gross sales for the last full year. Active customers also up over 770k. That's more than 200% over the same time last year. So founder uh, Sean there saying he's delighted with another record-breaking trading period and upbeat over the technology roadmap going into 2021. Henry, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what do you reckon? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> we need to get you the hat. <laughs> I need the hat. My wife said I looked a bit like Santa, so I thought I'd keep it on just to annoy her a little bit longer. Um, my deal. This is... Quiet, Andrew. Uh, this, this, is a new, uh, this is a new company to the market, I guess. It hasn't been around too long uh, in terms of ASX listing anyway. Um, and it is a kind of a baby Temple and Webster. Okay. To some extent, so yeah. it is. It is another one of these uh, platform stocks that is helping uh, shoppers buy soft furnishings, furniture, all that sort of stuff online. It is that baby Temple and Webster thing. So I guess in some respects, it's kind of easy to make some sort of comparisons in terms of you know you can see the timeline of how Temple, Temple and Webster is a one point one billion dollar company. My deal is I think around three hundred and. 40-odd million dollars. So you can kind of see the timeline as things go. It seemed to be a pretty reasonable update they uh, revealed this morning, um, although the share price hasn't gone anywhere on the back of it, really. Um, but um, it's, 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 it's a pretty good update. But it does look, when you look at Temple and Webster, uh, maybe it's a little bit on the expensive side just in the short term, and maybe we need to see some more runs on the board. But this is certainly a step in the right direction. We've got record monthly sales of 30 million bucks, uh, 105 in the first five months. Um, and Temple and Webster, half year revenue was 176 million. So right. it's still a, still a bit of a way behind, but then the valuation is as well. But it's, uh, it's certainly on the right track. And you can see that timeline of how uh, things play out. And Temple and Webster, of course, has caught the, the imagination big time this year from, from being a dog of a stock at one stage to being an absolute superstar. It's just stock. turned around, it hasn't has, it? It has been a great turnaround story, that's for sure. So um, this, this one comes on its coattails, but it, it's certainly, you know, you can, you can look at both and, and say, well, what, where's the value? But at the moment, my deal just seems a little bit more expensive at this sort of time of its life. Yeah, okay, so and a bit, bit of a, a watch and see brief yeah, for you yeah. at this point. Tom, we saw on the chart before just how uh, volatile shares have been in its, <laughs> in its very early history. So for those that are patient and have a longer term view and think that it can do what its, its peers have done, maybe there's something to take a look at. But what do you reckon, Andrew? Is it something that uh, ticks any boxes for you? Oh, it ticks, ticks lots of boxes, uh, Andrew. And you know, I like it a lot. And I think the analogy with Temple and Webster is a, is a good one. Uh, but we also sort of need to remember that this is sort of online shopping's time in the sun, if I can put it that way as well, uh, between lockdowns and COVID and all that sort of stuff, uh, massive amounts of stimulus passing through the economy. So, I, I mean, if you think about what's going on with online shopping, sort of we've had five years worth of uh, innovation and technological change in about three months' time. So uh, if you're going to float this type of business, this was the time in which to do it and... 
some great numbers for sure, but you'd equally be very disappointed if they didn't come out with some great numbers as well. <coughs> so I, I agree with Henry. It's probably a, a watch and see for the time being. I was just having a quick look at the website before, and, uh, you know, it's all shot, uh, briny, uh, briny, bright and shiny. Uh, but, uh, look, overall, I, I couldn't bring myself to buy at this stage, apart from the fact that it's only been going for sort of six weeks from an ASX perspective. So, you know, we'd, as you said, it's been quite volatile even in that short period of time. So from my one, it looks interesting, but it's certainly a, a watch and see for the time being. Okay, so an encouraging update today, but we uh, just need to see a little bit more water pass under the bridge as far as our two expert guests are concerned. Let's dive into the 10 stocks that you have picked now and uh, we're going to we're going to move through these at a cracking pace. I'm going to make sure we finish on time today. The first one that we're going to talk about is Woodside Petroleum. Phil has sent this in. Andrew, I'm going to stay with you if I can. We know what's been happening with the uh, the price of oil recently. Is this uh, enough of a reason to get into Woodside? Oh, look, energy is certainly from a, a rebound play, uh, is certainly a place that you may want to be. I mean, again, considering the uh, catastrophic consequences of uh, the economic damage done by uh, COVID, you'd have to think, and given energy was in fact the worst performing sector on the ASX last year, uh, albeit we've had a nice little rebound over that sort of last month or so. I just thought I'd quickly read, and I know you want to keep things on time, Andrew, but this uh, comment from the CEO, I think it sort of absolutely nails it. The external conditions created this year by the COVID-19 pandemic and oversupply in global oil and gas markets are the most difficult I've seen in nearly four years, four decades rather, in the industry. So, you know, it sort of sets the scene as to how tough things are at the moment. They're in a really strong financial position um, in the context of sort of having weathered the storm. They may though need to come out and raise some more money. Uh, they've got that sort of Burrup hub uh, that they're working on at the moment. Um, total return for Woodside sort of over the last five years, so total return being income and growth has been minus 2% per annum. Uh, if we compare and contrast that to the overall market, the overall market over the last five years has returned 9% per annum total growth and in income. So it's been pretty underwhelming from that point of view. It's trading, above, it's trading below the consensus price. And I might add the CEO has actually reduced his holding in the company by about 20% over the last 12 months. So. Uh, from my point of view, there are better energy plays out there, uh, albeit with more risk. Uh, as a recovery, as a trade, potentially, yes. But uh, we'll talk about uh, the next one in a moment, and we'll also talk about stranded assets and all that sort of stuff. So I'm a, a no. Uh, before I leave you there, Andrew, can I, can I get one of those preferred energy plays from you? Yeah, we really like Beach. Beach, beach? Is, uh, beach is our preferred. Now, you're not comparing apples with apples. I need to be really clear about that. You know, you can't compare Woodside to Beach. But again, if we look at that total return comparison over the last five years, Beach has returned 30% per annum over the last five years relative to Woodside at minus two. So uh, we much prefer Beach. Andrew makes some pretty good points there, Henry. I'd go back just quickly, even over 10 years, the, uh, the company really hasn't set the world on fire from a shareholder perspective no. there. Um, is, is now the time to get involved or is it, is it a pass for you too? I, you know, the, the problem is if you look at commodity stocks, they have cycles. And you, mm. if you look at the wrong part of the cycle, you can come up with any numbers you want. And it, it's about timing in commodity stocks. They're there to be traded. The same with gold stocks, the same with iron ore stocks. Here we've got Fortescue knocking on the door of 20 bucks. You know, it wasn't that long ago. They were down and out in Beverly Hills at $2.53. Everyone yeah. was you know, counting them out because the debt was going to kill them and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and here we are, they're $20. So it's, 10x. It's, mm. And you take them forward 10 years and you see what the iron, iron ore price is then, they could be two bucks again. Yeah. And you will all go, oh, that was a terrible return. It's about timing okay. in resource stocks. Okay. Um, I think Woodside's day is coming. Uh, I think 2021, we are going to see a rebound in the oil price. And I think we're going to see global demand pick up as the vaccine rolls out, as people get more confident about uh, travel, about um, public transport, because, you know, at the moment we're all avoiding public transport, which is, is ultimately, I guess, good for oil demand in some respects, because we're going to go to private cars and scooters and whatever, electric vehicles. Um, Woodside's got the, not got the leverage, so Santos and Oil Search have got to the oil price. It's probably a more conservative way to play it. And that could be good, I guess, in the long term. So I think there's still some upside. We like Woodside with one of our core oil stocks in our portfolio, which we are overweight oil. We do think that's the recovery trade for 2021. So, um, yeah, I like Woodside. It's, it's a buy from me here. And, you know, we're seeing the OPEC Plus coming to some sort of 
you know, mishmash as usual that OPEC Plus comes to do. And we're 47 bucks on oil. It's not a big stretch to go to 60 if, if the vaccine starts rolling out quicker and people start adopting a more normalised travel pattern. We even saw Qantas today, what, 68% domestic capacity, hoping for 80% by, um, you know, so um, we like Woodside, certainly that is certainly one that we like. I'm not an expert on, on energy companies, but when does all that extra price get captured in margin when you see that improved price there? Or is that to, too simplistic? It's a bit simple. I mean, to some extent, yeah. I mean, to some extent, they're hedged as well. All right. um, so there is a little bit, but it, it's more, uh, I guess it's more of a sentiment thing. Mm-hmm. If you saw oil at $55, $60, Woodside would be 27 28 bucks again. Um, whether the fundamentals support that or not remains to be seen, but we have seen momentum in this market and, and sentiment is driving things probably more so than is rational. But gotcha. I think rational went out the window sometime about a decade ago, <laughs> to be honest. Especially, especially in 2020, perhaps. Especially in 2020, it's so. definitely not a rational game. <laughs> okay, well, Phil, I hope that answers your question. Uh, it's a yes from Henry, it's a no from Andrew. Uh, Henry, I'm gonna stick with you, and we're gonna stick with the theme of fuel, except this time we're gonna talk more in terms of an ETF, the BetaShares Global Energy Companies Fund. Uh, the ticker code there is, is a great one, F-U-E-L, yeah, fuel. Uh, and Kevin has asked about that. Uh, what do we think? Is that a, is that a more conservative way to play the energy recovery? Yeah, I mean, ETFs generally are a more conservative way to play things. You're not going to double or treble your money in an ETF because it's, it's a diversified basket. This, this is a, a diversified basket of global energy companies. We've got you know, Chevron, Total, Exxon, BP, Royal Dutch Shell, etc., etc. Mm. So this, this is a, a, an exposure to oil and oil companies. And we've seen, now there are ETFs that give you exposure to oil. And we saw that, when was it back in, Andrew will be able to tell me this because he's an ETF expert. But back in February, the oil ETF in the US went negative. You know, all, future, right. all yeah. futures went negative. I remember now, Because yeah. of the, the problems with expiry and delivery and they weren't taking any crude, uh, any get crude into, uh, into the Pershing hub. That went negative. This is, this is a way that you can actually ensure that you're, you're buying the stocks as opposed to the commodity. And the stocks generally have more leverage, I guess, to the commodity. So th- this is a, a diversified play. It's hedged as well in Aussie dollar terms. Uh, and it's just basically a, a play on the major oil companies around the world and the oil price as a proxy for that. But I'm sure Andrew's going to uh, fill us in a lot more on this. He's an ETF expert. Uh, before I cross to Andrew, though, it would, for Kevin's sake, is it a buy? Or yes. It is a buy, yes? Okay, gotcha. Yes. Uh, Andrew, what do you reckon on fuel? Uh, yeah, look, I, I, and I, if I can just briefly come back to Woodside, but it will also help answer fuel. I agree uh, unusually with everything Henry's saying relating to the trading piece. So if you're framing the Woodside question around, is it a trade over the next 12 months? Absolutely. So, you know, the answer becomes yes. But if you're sort of a longer term conservative type of guy, then as we just spoke about, those long term returns haven't been great. If you're going to have these types of companies, you need to be active with them and you need to be trading them. So if we're sort of using that as the frame to then answer relating to fuel, uh, yes, because again, for all the reasons that we've just gone through, global recovery, all prices cheap, all that sort of stuff. Um, I would just point out, though, that over the last 12 months, the main players, so all the ones that Henry just went through, Total, Chevron, etc., they've written down $70 billion worth of um, assets on their balance sheets over the last 12 months relating to what's going on with the oil price. Now, some people are saying that's um, relating to the pandemic, and that's certainly, you know, potentially one thing. But if I was sort of being um, pessimistic, another thing you might say is, is it actually a response to peak oil? that in fact oil consumption is certainly nearing its peak relating to decisions made by the UK government as an example around uh, the sale of um, combustible engines and so forth. So that's certainly just one thing you need to keep in mind. If I'm a trader, absolutely, I'm all over this. I'm buying, I'm trading it because it's bouncing around and all that sort of stuff. But if I'm a long-term investor and I'm looking over the horizon around the thematic piece, that's something that you just might want to be thinking about. I, I note the distinction there, and I'll, I'll reiterate it. I think it comes back to really knowing who you are as an investor, right, Henry? Like, and, and your time frame. Yeah, and just, time absolutely time. in your time frame. Yeah. But that being said, Andrew, I do have to be a stickler because we're running a portfolio here at the call. So 
I know I know you've given us a, a yes on one hand and no on the other. What is it going to be yep. for as for as far as we're concerned? So, so so to answer it in the spirit how Henry's answering it, I'm I'm a yes for Woodside and I'm a yes for fuel. Okay, All right. Okay, so I'm I'm going to t mark you down for a yes for both. In fact, we've got a double yes from both of our experts. So that is going to be added to our portfolio, and I'll come back to that when we get to the halfway mark. Let's go from black gold to gold gold. How's that for a segue? Um, <laughs> Not bad. Andrew, <laughs> it is truly awful. Um, Newcrest Mining, um, Michael is interested in this stock, the ASX ticker here is NCM. Is this something that, uh, that piques your interest? Yeah, it's got a bit of copper in there as well, of course, Andrew. It's uh, $22 billion. And again, if you're sort of trying to play it safe relating to gold, then it's pretty hard to go past uh, Newcrest and certainly up until about four six weeks ago everyone was a gold bug and then all of a sudden a lot of this volatility seems to be leaving the market between either vaccines or changes in US politics or you know whatever's going on at the moment and that safe haven allure of gold is coming off the boil and therefore people you know maybe not wanting to hold gold I mean I still think gold should be a core part of people's portfolios it's just whether how you play it and we were talking about just before relating to energy you know, do you go out and buy a oil ETF, which I wouldn't suggest for a moment, I might add, um, but you can buy a gold ETF, which you basically are just buying the underlying physical security, or do you buy a gold company, which is then leveraged to that gold price? And if you're being conservative, it's pretty hard to beat Newcrest. Of course, it's got uh, Lahir and Telfer as their main contributors. And on the financial piece, I mean, you've got a P of 14 relative to forecast earnings growth of about 35% next year. It's trading well under consensus. Um, so I don't mind it. My preference is sort of Sarazen or Evolution or Newcrest, uh, not Newcrest, uh, Northern Star rather. But uh, yeah, no, no problems with Newcrest at all. All right. So I'm going to mark you down as a yes for that. Um, Henry, what about Newcrest? The secret of comedy is timing. <laughs> the sorry, I couldn't couldn't resist it. The, the secret of perfectly delivered. The by secret the way. of resource stocks as well is timing, mm -hmm. and gold stocks especially timing. And Andrew pointed out, you know, this was flavor of the month not long ago. Thirty six bucks going to the moon. You know, gold was going to twenty five hundred and beyond. Uh, money printing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Everyone fell out of love with with gold and fell in love with Bitcoin. Riddle me that one, Batman. <laughs> you know, we've got Bitcoin knocking on the door of 20,000 and poor old gold has been just left behind in the, in the, in the sort of the, the morass, really. Um, so it really depends, Newcrest depends on your view of gold. If you look sort of two or three years out, we, we could have some inflation, it is starting to stir. We have seen interest rates pick up, the US rates 10 years and our own rates are sort of like around 1% now, which has been a bit of a pickup. Um, and gold has picked up in the last few days, which is kind of good to see because it was looking very unloved. Newcrest here is starting to look kind of interesting. Um, 27 bucks, you know, it's a long way off its high, but they are for trading. I'd be nibbling away, I think, at the moment. I'd be accumulating this one because if, if gold does go back up towards 1950, and we do see some of the Aussie dollar strength come away, because that's always important as well in terms of Aussie dollar gold price, we could see Newcrest back up to sort of 32, 33 bucks, but it is about timing. Um, it's not a screaming buy. Andrew's right, you should have some gold in your portfolio, but then maybe nowadays you should have some Bitcoin in there as well. You, you, need, you need something in those days when things go horrible but we have seen gold not doing what it's supposed to do when it when it's when it goes horrible back in february when the market crashed so did gold it was just thrown out all the gold stocks were thrown out as well um i'd be nibbling here so for me it's it's a it's kind of a, a if i had to go buy hold sell it's a buy yep um but um don't expect fireworks but it could you know we could see gold start to move back up towards 1900 1950 in which case you know, the bulls will come out the, the closet and we'll be back on for the, let's go to two and a half thousand, it's money printing forever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Inflation stirring, interest rates going up, which is not always a good thing for gold. 
Um, but I think here it's it's a mild buy. Um, a follow-up question here. I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to ask it because I know it's a big question and we're, we're short yep. on time. But I, I hear what you guys are saying in terms of timing matters and all the yep. rest of it. But how do you time something like gold or oil or any commodity for that? Is, is it is it a macroeconomic kind of focus that you need to take? I guess to some extent, yeah. Yep. And also the technical side of things as well. Yep. And, and you... It's one of those things that you've got to be fearful when other people are greedy, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, and when everyone's really bullish about gold and everybody's long to the gunnels of gold, you have to ask yourself the question: Well, who's going to buy it from here? Right. You know, who's the next mug on the on the in the line that's going to buy the gold shares? The greater fool, perhaps. The so. greater fool mm. theory, um, and that does apply. I mean, here we've got iron ore at um, you know 137 bucks in it. In, Aussie dollar terms, you know, nearly $180, which is what it was at the height of the, the commodity boom under John Howard, when we had that massive, massive, you know, income resource splurge. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Do you start looking at iron ore as something that you should be taking the top off because of those cycles? Um, you know, Fortescue is up 11.5% today. That's, that's, that's an extraordinary move. It's an amazing move. Yeah. It, you know, for Fortescue, yeah. which is not a little company, it's no. not insignificant. Yeah. And it, it really has been a knockout. So it is about timing. Yeah. And I think sometimes you've just got to be a little bit counter-cyclical. And when you look back in history and you look at the oil price back in February, March, when it was 27 bucks and then minus whatever it was, you've got to be brave sometimes in commodities. Uh, and you've got to swim against the tide a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody's swimming one way doesn't mean to say... It can, it can pay to jump in the, in the water and swim as well, but sometimes timing-wise, you just have to swim slightly against it and just be a little bit careful when it's at real highs and real lows. Fortune favoring the, the brave, perhaps. Who dares wins, Rodney? That's, that's the one. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's get away from the commodities. We're going to talk Breville Group. Now, it's a company that has done very well longer term. It's had a pretty good 2020 as well. Kate has written in, Andrew, uh, does, does Breville Group float your boat? How did I know you were going to say that? Um, <laughs> well, Solly Lou owns 27%, so it floats his boat. And, uh, you know, he's a very astute investor and, and retailer. So uh, certainly, you know, when I'm looking at companies, I'm looking at who are the major shareholders, I'm looking at who the management is. Uh, so that in itself, I think, is a, is a pretty big tick. Uh, as you said, the returns have been extraordinary for Breville over the last five years. They're up about 33% per annum over the last five years relative to... Uh, the ASX, which I keep referencing, but it's, it is the benchmark, which is up 9%. It's got a really strong uh, return on equity. It's about 20% and a great profit margin of about 8%. Most of their uh, sales are coming from offshore, uh, 58% from the US and about 19% from Europe. So, you know, if we sort of think about what's going on over there at the moment, I was talking to a client of mine in Germany last night. And uh, he was basically saying that things aren't too flash in Germany at the moment, uh, that they're all sort of locked up and, you know, feeling a bit sad and sorry for themselves. So is that potentially a negative for them? Or is it sort of like we were talking about with my deal in Temple and Webster, whereby people are sort of basically going out and, well, I can't go out and I'm saving this money. I'm going to go out and spend, you know, online shopping and that sort of stuff. So just thinking about that. Um, I like the business. It's really well run and I'd be happy to buy more of them. Let me ask you a quick follow-up there, Andrew. One of the things that's always, I guess, perplexed me a little bit about Breville is that it, it, it seems like it should be a commodity kind of play. I mean, toasters, kettles, they're not high-end tech here. It's, you know, it's not hard to make this stuff. What, what's the secret source here? Is it just excellent branding? I think it's that, but it's, again, I think they're just sort of controlling the whole chain, if that makes sense. You know, mm. they are doing the design, they are doing the development, and they're playing that niche really well. Um, you know, so they know what's selling and what isn't selling. I mean, it's a very poor comparison, but it's almost Apple-esque. You know, Apple basically just control the whole spectrum. They've now got that new M1 chip, so they basically now control everything similar to Breville. You know, they just know their market, they're controlling it really well. Um, and sort of knowing where they should be playing and where they shouldn't be playing. So excellent management there. That's a really good point. Uh, what do you reckon, Henry? Um, I, I like Breville. Um, I've liked it for a long time. And it was based on the pizza oven, which I'm devastated that it's so expensive. <laughs> but to say they're a commodity stock, I think, is, is really doing them injustice. They've built a very sound brand. And they've built a brand which Australia is not the greatest at manufacturing stuff 
anywhere. Um, and we've seen the decline in Australia. And Breville have really gone against that. And they've moved their products up market. You know, you can buy a $35, you can buy a $7 kettle in, in Kmart, or you can buy a $300 Smeg one or, you know, whatever. Breville has really used their, their power to build the brand and build quality. The coffee machines they sell are not cheap. Mm. You know, the, the pizza machine, which I got really excited about when the stock was about 10 bucks a few years ago, and they were bringing out this new super duper pizza oven for the US. I looked at it, oh, this is gonna be an absolute win. This is gonna be an absolute cracker. And it's now available in Australia. It's $1,200. $1,200? dollars These are not cheap. And you can buy the $100 one with the, the flippy lid and do the, you know, whatever. Yeah. But this one is a full on, the best in its class, gets it up to 450. These guys are smart guys. They're smart operators. You know, their, their appliances have got a good brand. They've got good quality. Uh, they own the chain as, um, as Andrew points out, and you know, Solly Lou's not an idiot. These guys are spot on. It's, it's always been expensive, it probably always will be, but it's one of those comfort stocks. Now, if you are locked down in Germany, what are you gonna do? You're gonna make yourself some strudel, and you're gonna need appliances to make strudel. I'm sure Andrew has the recipe, I don't, but you need appliances to make strudel. Um, so that's where Breville comes in. Right. And then you've got to have a coffee with your strudel. And then you've got to have your toast in the morning for your, your fairy sprinkles on your Maybe toast. Maybe a bread maker for the Maybe sourdough. Maybe a bread maker and then you're going to do your pizza. These guys have got it all covered. So um, I still like the stock. It, it's come back off its highs. I think there was just a little bit of an overshoot. It's definitely a hold here. Uh, I think it's a, it's a really good quality Australian company, which has really, I guess, um, proved the critics wrong to some extent. And Solly Lou is a master with these sorts of companies, good management, good products, good branding um, in a great niche segment. And it's been proven to be actually a winner from COVID and a winner without COVID. So, yeah, you know, yeah. what, what more can you it, want? It's really hard to argue with the history there, but did you say a hold there for it, you? It's a hold. Um, it's I won't put it. it a... I'll tell you what, I'll go buy. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's go buy. You know what? Uh, we're in furious agreement so far, guys. Well, that's, that's not good. Let's let's see if we can break that. Um, we've got in the uh, we round up to the first half of the show. Jack has written in. He's interested in Betmakers Technology Group. The uh, code there is BET. It's an easy code to remember. Henry, I'm going to stick with you. I should mention this is already in the call portfolio. Will it stay in? Do you like it? Um, yes. Um, it's been a kind of a coattail story on the back of points bet. They're, they're not the same companies in the site, but they are in the racing industry. Uh, Betmakers is the software and the, and the smarts behind the bookies, whereas points bet is the bookie. Gotcha. So, um, you know, they're, they're kind of working hand in glove, if you like. This has had, this has had an extraordinary run recently. Um, you know, it was languishing around, I say languishing, around 40, 50 cents, and suddenly it's just popped all the way up to 70 cents. Wow. I would be a little bit cautious up here of piling in. Uh, you can see the chart there. Yeah. Um, I'd just be a little bit cautious of piling in at these kind of levels. 400% gain this year. It really has been good. And it's all about this U.S. expansion. More uh, states in the U.S. are opening up to, uh, to gaming. And these guys are very much riding on the, on the I was going to say coattails, but I was trying to think of some horse um, <laughs> reference, um, but certainly, you know, th th this is a good story. But I'd just be a little bit reticent of buying it up here if you were new to it. If you've got it, hold it. Um, but if you haven't got it, maybe wait for a pullback. Maybe wait to uh, we see sixty cents again. And these these stocks do tend to. I think they're going through a capital raise at the moment as well. Sixty six cents rings a bell. So um, there might be a little bit of uh, stock around through that uh, capital raise. All right, Andrew, Henry likes the stock. He doesn't like the price. What are your thoughts? Sadly, we're going to agree again. Oh we'll, uh, we, and we didn't, we didn't compare notes. No. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the last point that Henry makes is really important relating to that capital raising. So they're raising uh, or they're issuing about 83 million new shares at 60 cents. And on top of that, they're doing a share purchase plan for another $10 million. So they're raising 93 million to buy uh, a, an online sports betting company, Sport Tech. Uh, and generally what you tend to find is that people who want to take up their entitlement tend to sell off their holdings, their current holdings, sort of book a little bit of a profit, reset their cost base. And with the share price at 71 cents relative to getting some newies at 60 cents, uh, I would be waiting for those new shares to be issued and for that selling to sort of dissipate. Uh, I mean, 
it looks great on 2022 revenue. It's a P of 39 relative to 130% forecast earnings growth. So, you know, it ticks all the boxes. And you can certainly see why it's been on a bit of a tear this year. But we're always just very cautious when there's SPPs or placements in, in, in play. Just let that wash through before you'd be stepping up to the mark if you're a new person. But certainly if you're an existing uh, holder, I agree with Henry, it's a hold. Andrew, is there some sense from the company's perspective to raise capital when they do see such a strong uh, increase in the share price? The cost of capital becomes a lot more attractive. It, it might be, they might be accused of being opportunistic, but does it make sense if, you, if you're looking to get some extra cash in the till to sort of fund that, that hoped for growth over in the US? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Uh, no, it makes lots of sense. And especially when your share price is shooting the lights out, you know, why, why wouldn't you? So, I mean, I realise, you know, from a debt funding point of view, things are a lot cheaper. But yeah, it's a no-brainer, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was a bit of a leading question there I could <laughs> possibly be accused of. So, as, as uh, our viewers well know, we've got our own portfolio that we've been tracking here since July 1 on the call. All of the stocks that get two thumbs up, uh, that is a buy from both of our experts on the show. We've added it to the portfolio. Uh, we should also say if there's any disagreement, if, if it gets just one thumbs down, it gets kicked out. So let's have a quick check on how that has performed. Uh, and look at that. Weekly, 1.22%. Okay, a bit of noise in there. 12% for the month. Financial year to date has been absolutely spectacular. 25, over 25% return in less than uh, six months. So that's an incredible performance there. Um, let's take a look at the stocks that we've added recently. Uh, Elders uh, got the nod. Treasury Wine got the nod. We know they've been in the news for all the wrong reasons recently. Ampol, South 32, Redbubble, uh, a long-term favorite, I, I believe, for, from a lot of people. Elmo Software, uh, Credit Clear have all been added in, but what's been taken out? So Santos and AUB Group have been given the flick. And if you want to dive in deeper yourself and find out all the stocks or the ETFs that are in the course portfolio, uh, it's really easy to do. Just go to osbiz.com, sorry, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio, and there you will find out everything that you need to know. So let's go uh, and have a bit of a review of the first five stocks that we've covered so far. And as I mentioned before, Henry and Andrew in furious agreement, stock of the day, mydeal.com.au. That was a no for both of those gentlemen, just two early days yet. Yeah, we, need, we need a bit more water under the bridge. For Woodside, uh, in fact, for Woodside, for beta shares and for Newcrest Mining, we got two thumbs up. So these stocks are all gonna be added to the portfolio. The caveat here that I must mention is make sure you know thyself because what the guys have been saying is it's it, it there is a different context a different perspective if you are a long-term investor if you are a trader if you're looking to be more active in timing the market then it's a yes on that basis for those three stocks uh, away from the resources uh, plays breville group uh, the guys definitely singing the praises there very high return on equity very very well run a very long history of excellent management so uh, the guys singing the praises there and also taking note of Solomon Liu as a shareholder in the company as well which is usually a pretty good signal as far as betmakers is concerned uh, look the company doing some pretty exciting things, but it's just perhaps a little bit too pricey. And the guys there also putting some warnings around the fact that there is a share purchase plan in effect at this stage. So if you are patient, you might just get an opportunity to buy it at a lower price. Okay, let's get into the second half of the show. And we've got some really good stocks here, some really interesting stocks, I should say. Rhythm Biosciences. Uh, Henry, I'm gonna start with you here first. Uh, Demetrios has asked about this. The code here for those playing along at home is RHY. What does Rhythm Biosciences do, Henry? Uh, it has a product called Colostat, which is a predictive test for colorectal cancer. Okay. Um, and more importantly, it is starting to go into production and it has chosen a, uh, a manufacturer to start the process. Um, it obviously takes a little while to get it up to scratch because they have to make a few, check it, make sure that it's okay, make sure the manufacturer's doing the right thing, all the specs are there, yep. and then off we go to the races. So um, this has got some interesting management behind it. Uh, it's had a huge run. Um, yeah, you can see on the, on the screen at the moment. It, it's gone nuts. Uh, it's, you know, it's 
400, another 400 percenter. Wow. Um, it's still a tiddler. It's obviously a big market. And this predictive test, they're rolling it out for and, and this product, Colostat. But there's obviously uh, more cancers that they can uh, try and detect with this. So it's, I guess it's another great example of Aussie medtech. And we've got, uh, you know, there's a raft of them out there from 4DX, um, all sorts of companies out there, yeah. Polynovo, all these companies done really well in medtech. Mm. Um, and this is another one of those. It has got some, some good people behind it. Um, Otto Butchula is, is one of the, uh, I think he's the, the chair. Or, yep. um, and he's certainly got a, a good pedigree. So, um, yeah, it's just run really hard. I mean, would you buy it up here? You, you're kind of, it's very speculative. You're taking a leap of faith. Um, but, you know, if, if the manufacturing process works, it's a massive market um, mm. and it's a cheap, low cost test that appears to, uh, to be, um, a, you know, a good, um, a good test for, for this. So, but just too expensive? How do you, how do you value these? Oh, that was my next question. How, yeah. I mean, really, I mean, how do you value these things? We all do the, you know, the market's this big and if we only get this much, then we're worth this much. Yes. You know, we all play that game. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is a big market. They've got good management. They've got a good product. It's coming to fruition, coming to manufacture. In that respect, it ticks a lot of boxes. It's not massively expensive market cap. There's not massive amounts of papers spilling around, but it's run really hard. So if you buy it, it's speculative. Keep your stops tight. It's a trading stock and they're liable to have, you know, bumps along the way, capital raisings along the way. Yeah. You know, almost we, guaranteed. Almost, yeah. you know, it's it's the mo. It's it's what they do. Yeah. This is what they do. You know, you ramp the. I wouldn't say ramp. Let's not say ramp. But the share price has a really good run. Yep. And they tap the market and say, hey guys, you know, we need some more money for the future. And usually that's very well supported. And off we go again. But okay. um, yeah, I'd just be a little bit cautious up here. Keep your stops tight if you're going to trade it, but it's it's speculative, that's for sure. So I'll put you down as a no in that. In you that can put case. me down as a hold. A hold. Okay. You can put me down a as hold. a hold. Okay. Okay. Andrew, um, Rhythm Biosciences, is it, and I, I don't mean to, to uh, cast Demetrius in, in this light here, but anecdotally it seems a, a lot of people, it's, it is that massive jump in the share price that captures the attention first. Um, and perhaps that, that look at what they do and what their opportunity is sort of comes second. Is there some danger in, in being led by very aggressive share price jumps? Or is it something to be said for, for riding that momentum while it's there? What, what's your view on that? Oh, Andrew, there's 2,600 listed companies on the ASX. So you've got to try and use some sort of filter to try and work out what looks interesting and if, whether it's a price move, whether you've got sort of a change in substantial owner, uh, in fact, you've got uh, sort of both things going on here at the moment. You've got that uh, Otto Petula, you know, of uh, ex-Investor Hub, uh, not Investor Hub, um, Investors Mutual, uh, Hub24. Uh, he sold IWL to Combank. He was, it was a $48 million company when he was involved and he sold it to CBA for 300 plus. So he's certainly got mm. form in doing deals. And um, yeah, no, I've, I've got no problems at all, you know, in looking at companies with 400% increases, but you know, you've got to look at off what base did it occur. So yeah, but if we're talking about rhythm, I quite like it, but I think again, what um, you and Henry were talking about right at the end is the biggest danger here. They've got about 6 million in the bank. Uh, this is a company whose market cap is 147 million bucks. And uh, they're burning through about one to one and a half million a quarter. So basically, round numbers, they've got about a year's worth of cash left. And given everything that's going on with it, and you know, you talk about the size of the market, the market's worth $38 billion. And 90% of these cancers are curable if they can get to them early. And as we know, the current test isn't a lot of fun as to how they've actually got to go and try and discover <laughs> Uh, whether there's blood in places that we probably shouldn't be talking about at lunchtime, whereas their process, there's colostats, stats, just a blood test. So there's lots to like, but I would be very, I'd nearly put my house on the fact there's gonna be a capital raising. Uh, as to when, who knows, but certainly, well, within 12 months, 
given how they're going. So that's at the time with that capital raising's on the go, that's the time to get set in this, not at the moment. Okay, so some exciting uh, uh, prospects there, but uh, no need to rush in. Gents, we do have to uh, kick things up a gear and it's totally my fault as usual. So let's let's uh, do some quick ones here. Andrew, I'm gonna stay with you. Skyfi, SKF, uh, Clovis has written in about that one. What do you think? No. No? Oh, that's, that's very quick and easy. Maybe maybe one or two sentences on why. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you were thought you wanted me to speed it right up. Oh, look, it's it's interesting. But you know, when you when you sort of when your marketing tag is an omni data intelligence company, I just yeah, the amber lights are flashing. Um, it's um, it sort of does um, basically analytics relating to marketing. You know, um, looking at uh, offering guest Wi-Fi, counting people. Uh, in crowds, uh, weather, uh, how many cars are in a car park, sort of all interesting stuff relating to the data piece. But it's so thinly traded, Andrew. I mean, we have 28,000 shares a day change hands. So, you know, you want to try and get set in it. You know, it's a bit of a crab pot, somewhat easy to get into, but very difficult to get out of. Um, yeah, look, I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm just a no at this stage. It, it's an interesting business, but I'm just yeah, pass. Yeah, and as you mentioned, there's there's uh, what two thousand six hundred other fish in the sea there. So what do you, what do you reckon, Henry? Uh, is it pass? Uh, it, it's it's a no from me. I got to say, I mean, I followed this for a long, long time. Uh, when they first started out, I saw them present and they were talking, you know, all the Wi-Fi in the the Westfield shopping centres, and when you walked in, you were going to be connected, and they'd know where you were and all this sort of stuff. You know, really, everyone just has four G now, surely. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's had a good run recently. It got really knocked about in uh, early this year, down to eight or nine cents. So it's, it was 15, 16 forever and a day. Every time you looked at it, it was 15, 16. Uh, you know, you'd look at it once or twice a month and it would be 15, 16. For years and years and years, mm-hmm. it's had a bit of a pop recently. Omnidata intelligence, AI, it's getting all the buzzwords in there. That kind of helps, not for me. Okay, all right. We need to see a bit of substance there from, yep. from the gentleman. Um, I'm going to stick with you, Henry, and we're going to answer one that uh, Oliver has written in. He's interested in Frontier Digital Ventures. The code there is FDV. This has come up a few times on the show. Is it one that uh, one that you like? Yes, it is. It why, is. Why is that? Um, I put this in this, my small cap portfolio some time ago, and I followed it for a long time. It's got a really good, classy bunch of guys that know how to do this stuff, and they invest basically. In, I was not going to say developing worlds, mm-hmm. um, in in platforms like instead of the real estate that we have here, rea.com.au, they invest in the in, in the equivalent in Pakistan yep. or or somewhere that is you know a developing country, uh, and they're very good at it. Um, and then they add their smarts to it and bring their sort of Australian talent of, of the platforms that we have uh, to their markets. It's been a really good performer. It recently raised money at a dollar twenty-five. Um, and I took the opportunity of adding it there uh, at a dollar twenty-five. They're now one forty-one, so they've done okay. But the, these guys, good management. They've got a bunch of uh, you know. You look through. They've got stuff in West Africa. They've got Pack Wheels, which is like a car sales in Pakistan. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, you know, they, these are not businesses that you or I will probably come across. Mm. So it's a great way, I guess, in, in diversifying out of the real estate dot coms, the Seeks, the you know, the, all those kind of platform stocks that we have here. And the smarts that these guys have developed, developed over the years can translate into these emerging markets. And there's big money to be made. So it's, it's definitely a buy from me. Um, I, I guess they've got potential white label opportunities. They've built the platforms you can, you know, for Pakistan. It's just a bit of a different paint job. Not yeah. to oversimplify it, but to put that into a different market, yeah, right? Just, yeah, yeah it, it is just different. I mean, they're bringing their kind of smarts to, to um, they've, they've done it here before. Yep. These are guys that have built platforms in Australia and they've gone, okay, let's invest in platforms overseas. And they have 20, 25, 30% of some, and they then add their smarts, their business knowledge, and their platform skills, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and help these guys. And then they, they become liquidity events where they can you know, sell out or they come to the market and they can then cash in from there. So I think it's a good one. Andrew, are we gonna get a disagreement here? It's, uh, we haven't had one yet, do you like it? Well, maybe after the show, Henry and I can have words, but certainly relating to FD, uh, FDV, like it a lot. I actually came across it on Henry's podcast, Excellent Listening, and uh, number five in Australia on iTunes. And it's, uh, yeah, I had a good look under the hood afterwards, and yeah, this is probably my favourite company out of all the ones we're talking about today. I really like this one. And uh, I like the fact the CEO owns 11% of the business. I like the fact they just made their first quarterly profit ever. 
Um, so lots to like about this one. It's a buy. Andrew, I think one of the things that people talk a lot about with uh, software companies is that transition, that through that inflection point of break even, the theory being at least that you've got very stable costs. So as that revenue line grows, that, that net margin just really just opens right up. Is that what we're potentially seeing here with these guys? Yeah, and I mean, we saw it with zero. I mean, for a long period of time there, I had clients in zero at 15 and $20, and, uh, you know, I could feel the voodoo doll, you know. The, the I hate Andrew, that's why I'm so follically challenged, you know. Um, but uh, that's just turned out to be an absolute ripper because once, as you said, they get to that inflection point, it just takes off. And you can certainly see here, uh, I mean, again, without talking up Henry too much, his head's big enough as it is. If you take the chance to listen to that podcast and the guys uh, from Pi who sort of talked about the whole process behind this business and how they found these businesses to begin with, you know, unwanted businesses from European companies. Um, yeah, there's lots to like about this. I, I better give you a plug here, Henry. I think give, Andrew's done it for give, me. Give us the name. How do people find the podcast? Oh, they can. They can uh, it's available on iTunes uh, yep. and uh, Spotify and all those sorts of things. It's called On the Couch. On the Couch. On the yeah. Couch. Okay, yeah. check it out. Um, Andrew, I'm going to stick with you. IOOF Holdings. Uh, Sam is interested in that. The uh, ASX code there is IFL. Uh, is this one doing anything for you? No, I'm not a not a big fan of, of this one. Um, it's... I sort of talk about here with my team here about, you know, running a 1990s business in 2020. And uh, I sort of look at IOOF and it really, uh, sorry, IPL rather. And um, it really, to me, looks like a 1990s business. And, you know, if you wanted vindication of that, that's actually buying um, MLC from NAB. Um, I, I sort of, you know, I much prefer a business like Net Wealth. Uh, Hub24, we use premium here ourselves. I mean, if you look at net wealth as an example, as a, if you want to be an owner of the business, it's got a 62% return on equity, it's got a 29% profit margin, and it's got forecast earnings per share growth of 25% per annum next year. If I compare and contrast that to um, IPL, I mean, you've got uh, ROE of 7%, you've got a 10% margin and forecast earnings growth IFL, I'll get there eventually, and 17% uh, forecast earnings growth. So to me, this is sort of a shining example of a 1990s business, whereas, you know, from a 2020s business, certainly net wealth as an example, NWL is one that I'd be much more relaxed about. Net wealth, the better pick there. Henry, do you think there's, I'm not saying this is the case with Sam, who's, who's, who's asked at this, but anecdotally, again, you, you speak to a lot of investors and they've for whatever reason bought a company it hasn't performed as they've want but there's that real what's the word for it? an endowment effect there it's very hard to extricate yourself from a from a losing proposition to admit you're wrong to admit you're wrong and particularly <laughs> if, if you're if you're male i think we we can all agree that's probably even <laughs> harder as my wife likes to remind me yes is 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 it just what does an investor do at this point in time uh, i know that the, often the temptation is you you'll average down so yeah. your losses don't look as bad I'm probably doing a bit of a leading question here again, but is, is that a mistake? Um, not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. It depends how much you, you um, believe in the story. Sometimes there's external factors that can unduly affect the share price for whatever reason, and sometimes that's a good time to average down. Um, in the case of IOOF, I looked at their last presentation. I'm a simple person. I like a simple narrative. I like a story I can understand. I looked at the IOOF story and it was more complicated than spaghetti. Okay. It was just it was it was just hard to understand what the hell was going on with what. Yeah. And and to be honest, you know, th this is a financial services company that's just bought MLC. Mm. And MLC is a big company with its own egos, its own personalities, its own culture. And then you fuse it with another company and go boom, and you crash them together. And I've played this game in the 90s when I was in um, you know, Macquarie days and stuff. You crash them together and sometimes that doesn't work very well. Mm. And it takes a while for them to start to, to bond and to meld together and to get those synergies. It's too early. Okay. All right. Too uh, early. You've got to be really patient. This one can't be bothered. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% I, I hear you there. Let's go to the last stock of the day, Super Retail Group. Amir has asked us about this one. Andrew, I'm going to go to you for this last stock of the day. Um, 
It's often had some potential here, Super Retail. Is it, is it something that uh, you think is worth a look? Yeah, look, it's harmless. Um, <laughs> is that the nicest thing? <laughs> it's harmless. Um, you know, you've got to pay a 12 uh, forecast earnings per share growth of 25%, which is pretty extraordinary for them. Um, you know, if you consider they're stable, they're stable, super cheap auto, uh, Rebel, BCF. Um, it's up 7% for the year. It's up 5% for the last five years. Again, as we've said throughout the whole segment, the market's up 9%. Um, it's trading below consensus. I mean, to me, it's probably another one of these COVID beneficiaries, but will that continue? I have to say, I'm sort of finding it hard to get excited about it. It's okay, but could I think of other retailers that I'd want exposure to? Yes. Is this one of them? Probably not. So, it, look, it's okay, but it's not a uh, it's not a screaming buy. Okay, Henry, we're we're really running it down to the wire here, so this will have to be a quick quick one. Is uh, is Andrew right? Is is you know mediocrity really just not worth your time as an investor? <laughs> no, I think it's about timing. It's a hold from me. Okay, um, but it, you know, Christmas is coming. And these guys, boating, camping and fishing, you know, what else are we going to be doing at Christmas? I've just been out on a nine day road trip around Victoria. And trust me, there was an awful lot of people camping and fishing and boating. Right. They're out there and yeah. it's very busy out in regional Australia. These okay. guys, as long as the weather holds up, yep. which is, you know, they should do well out of the Mac packs. They should do well out of the, the boating, camping and fishing. They'll do, they should do well out of Rebel. They should do well out of uh, super cheap retail, the super cheap auto as well. Um, it's it's definitely a hold. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not super sexy. Yep. But it's a you know it's it's. But it's cheap at the same time, it's, I it, suppose. It's, and it's super. You know what? I think we've finally got a bit of a, a, a divergent view. Really? Uh, just at the post here. Wow. So uh, a hold from Henry, uh, a no from Andrew. In fact, let's do a very quick rundown before we leave uh, leave everyone here. Rhythm Biosciences was a no uh, from both of the gentlemen here. Uh, just some cash concerns there. Uh, things have run very hard. SkyFi and Omni Data Channel, uh, <laughs> lots of buzzwords, AI, very illiquid. No, that was no from both gentlemen as well. Frontier Digital uh, Ventures, though, this is probably the one that got the best rap throughout the whole hour. Both gentlemen liking it. Henry also being a shareholder himself. Uh, a bit more info on the on the podcast that Henry runs there for those that are after a bit more detail. So definitely one to have a closer look at there. I double O F. Really, uh, what Andrew said, a 90s business in, in 2020 and uh, trying to, to merge two businesses, as Henry said, with perhaps very different cultures and personalities in there. Not always a, a, an easy thing to do. And Super Retail Group, Andrew said it was... It was uh, okay, um, it hardly showered it with praise. Uh, Henry's seeing a little bit of value there, especially given the uh, upcoming Christmas holidays. Gents, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. Henry, great to see you again. Andrew, great to see you as well. Thank you. Thanks, Santa. Always good to get the guys' perspectives. That is our show. <laughs> Remember, if you would like us to cover any of the stocks that are across your radar, it's really easy to do. Send us an email, thecall at osbiz.com.au. There's the address there. Or you can also reach us on Twitter as well. The handle there is at osbiztv. And remember as well, we were talking about that portfolio that we've run. It's up 25% since we started it, uh, uh, not even six months ago. So if you wanna dive into that, you can go to uh, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. But that is the show. Lots more coming up this afternoon. Make sure you don't go anywhere. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.